Hello, my friends, and welcome once again to an exciting episode of Fandom Talk. Um, just a quick heads up, a couple things. One, uh, as you may be aware by the title of this video, or excuse me, this podcast, um, this is not the retrospective on An American Werewolf in London. Um, we had some connectivity issues between Al and Josh, as you all know, they're in different cities. Um, so we had some connectivity issues Thank you, my internet provider. Um, and uh, they are going to have to re-record the last like half of that podcast. Um, but they're going to be doing that tonight, um, and then we will be getting that up for you later this week. So it'll be kind of a an epilogue to Horror Fest. Um, which, once again, thank you all so much for hanging out with us over this past month, talking about all the great horror films. And I hope uh, by the time you all hear this, hope everyone had a very safe and happy Halloween. And uh, yeah, we got some more great things coming for you. Um, I can go ahead and announce that next month we are doing uh, at least two podcasts talking about the 20th anniversary of Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, coming out in theaters. Um, I'm sorry to age some of you. I am 27, and it is um, just astounding to me to think about that movie being 20 years old. Um, it just... It's one of those things that's almost like it didn't age, but I did that kind of thing. That's kind of my thought process with it, but that's life. You know, we all get older, you know, with someone will start playing some sad music later, I'm sure. Um, but anyways, we are going to be talking about Lord of the Rings and all the things that we love with that. Um, but tonight we're going to focus on a different medium, one that I obviously love. If you know anything about me, you know that I love comic books and uh, you also know that my favorite writer of comics is Scott Snyder. <clears throat> and if you didn't see my post on Instagram a while back, um, Al, one of the other fandom correspondents, actually gave me a uh, subscription to Scott's Substack for the for the year. And on his Substack, if you don't know what those are, it's basically a new platform that a lot of comic creators are going to kind of from like a self-publishing kind of newsletter kind of aspect, basically kind of moving away from the social media aspect um, and different creators doing different things. Some people are doing exclusive books. Some people are doing exclusive interviews. Scott is actually doing an exclusive uh, writing class, which let me tell you has been absolutely fantastic. Um, the first two episodes or episodes or classes alone would have been worth the entire cost for me, but every month has been great. Um, and the newsletter has been really good too. It has actually helped out my writing quite a bit. Um, and I'm very, very excited to just keep it going, but <clears throat> more to the point of this conversation in this podcast, while I was watching, uh, those classes every once in a while, there would be this person kind of talking behind the camera and that Scott would kind of talk to, uh, who is basically helping him out with all the technological stuff. Um, because as we, if you're in the class, you know, that Scott is a fantastic writer, but is challenged in certain other things when it comes to technology. However, fortunately, that's where Tyler Janess, is that how you say your last name? I'm sorry. Yes, Tyler Janess comes in. Um, he is the associate editor for Scott on We Have Demons, Night of the Ghoul, Clear, Noctera, basically every other comicsology original that's coming out from Scott right now. He has also worked with um, other people such as Jeff Lemire, Right. On Ascender and Snow Angels. Right. Yep. Yes. Yes. And um, yeah, he's just 
I'm very excited to talk to Tyler. Uh, as you all may have known, I already had Michael Conrad and Becky Cloonan on here. So I had a, I had comic book writers and comic, and a comic book artist on there. I have yet to have an editor on here. So I'm really kind of intrigued to kind of talk about that aspect of things. Um, so if you guys are interested in hearing a bit more about the kind of behind the scenes aspect of comic books, uh, definitely stick around. Um, so Tyler, thank you so much for hanging out with us. How, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm great. I'm honored to be here, man. You know, uh, I, I love uh, I love horror, too. So, you know, I love hearing about all the American World in London stuff. I <laughs> have a huge love of Tolkien. I got the books right up there. So I love that okay. you're going to be doing uh, some Lord of the Rings retrospectives. Love what you're doing here. Oh, thanks, man. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, man, I uh, it's. You know, I'd assume that there was a, a very, at the very least, a mild respect for horror when, when you're since you're working with Scott. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the uh, I I told, uh, like I said, Michael Conrad was on my was on the podcast, and one of the yeah. things I told him was that there were only two comics that have ever like genuinely scared me or unsettled me. One was Double Walker by Michael and Noah Bailey, mm-hmm. and then the other one was Witches by Scott and Jock. So that's yeah, that's. If you're going to be working with Scott at all, I'd assume there was at least at least a tertiary understanding or love of oh, horror. Oh, yeah, yeah, huge yeah. horror guy. I actually went so far as to – I directed a, a, a production of Evil Dead the Musical back in college. That was nice. how deep my love went. That's a whole other avenue that I could go down. But, yeah, <laughs> deep, deep love of the genre. That's awesome, man. Um, well, dude, I just kind of wanted to kind of jump right into it um, and really just kind of start kind of at the beginning. Um, this is always kind of the opening question I kind of do with the guest is what were the you being an, an associate editor and now a writer, by the way, congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, you being in the comic book world, what was kind of the first doesn't actually have to be the first comic that you read. What were some of the first comics that really made you say, I want to do this? I want to be a part of this world beyond just as a fan. So my dad was a big comic guy when he was uh, a kid, and then he kind of got out of it. But he had a bunch of his old comics that he just kind of gave me. So I remember the first comic was like this uh, this collection of supervillain origins called Bring on the Bad Guys. Great little collection that I tore the cover (laughs) off because I was a little kid with no concern for, you know, the well-being of my comics later on. But loved that. But the first comic that really hit me on a deep, visceral level, I think, was... Uh, a Lonely Place of Dying, which was right after Death in the Family. It was Tim Drake's origin story. Something about that story always has really stuck with me. It was the first comic that I read. I, I must have been like maybe 11 or 12, and uh, some counselor just had his lying around. I read it. I remember thinking, oh, this is this is more than just kind of like a like a caper. This is a real, this is a story with actual merit, and it's got actual uh, pathos and characterization and this deeper stuff going on that really just stuck with me. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, that's one of those. Uh, I remember finding those at a flea market, and people do not give Tim Drake enough credit, in my opinion, as no. one of the better ones. And this is coming from someone who Dick Grayson is like Superman. Dick Grayson, like that. That's he's my number two. But you know, um, but Tim Drake and that origin story. Just I that was that was actually the first story where I realized, you know, Batman needs a Robin to balance him, you know, like that's yeah. the, and that's, and that's such a, just a really cool aspect. That, that's a, that's a great opening story. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's definitely, uh, that's definitely up there for me as well. Um, 
So what what about that made you want to get into kind of the editing process, or how did you how did you kind of get into that aspect of being an associate editor? Which also, for the record, what is the difference between an editor and an associate editor? <laughs> uh, well, the associate and the assistant editors are the ones that get bossed around by the editors, and the editors don't get okay. bossed around by, by us. Well, the story goes that I was uh, a senior in, uh, or was I a junior? I was uh, about to leave college, and then obviously the pandemic hit, and uh, a lot of my plans, my plans were to go to L.A. for uh, an internship and start the whole production assistant route for film, because I'm a, I'm a film student, uh, and I'm a film major. I, have a, I graduated the film degree, but uh, when the pandemic hit, a lot of my plans got thrown astray, and I, at the time, was in this uh, comic book convention class at uh, my college, Ithaca College. And uh, what what my teacher had done was, because he felt bad for us, he decided to supplement this class with a bunch of uh, Q&As with uh, people from the industry, from this and that. Every week we'd have um, we'd have guys from Read Pop, or we'd have uh, uh, people from Ahoy Comics. We even had Dan DiDio on the last class, which is a Sweet. very fun time, because that was maybe a month after he was let go from D.C. I was about to say. But, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But one of the guests was a, a, a guy named Will Dennis, who um, was an editor on stuff like Why the Last Man, 100 Bullets, just just about every Vertigo comic you've ever read, he's had his name attached to. Uh, this was when he was maybe a little bit into Undiscovered Country with uh, Scott and with Charles Soule. And uh, he was talking with my professor to the class about you know how overworked he is and how during the pandemic especially he's had need for an assistant. And... Uh, I remember that sticking with me, and so after the class, I said to my teacher, "Hey, this might be a long shot, but uh, if he needs an assistant, I'm, I'll do it." <laughs> and so he emailed Will. We started going back and forth, and uh, you know, it's been a year and a half, two years of me uh, doing his bidding, which is which is great. Okay, I gotcha. So kind of, kind of similar to like, basically, you're kind of paying attention to what he does, and you're learning how to be an editor yourself. Is that kind of? Correct. That's pretty much it. Yeah, I'm kind of okay. learning from two different minds, which is one is Will from the editorial side and one is Scott from the writing side. That's a man. Those are two good <laughs> teachers to learn from, you know, <laughs> because like I, I think it was uh, for those of you who aren't in the class or haven't heard about the, the class. Uh, Donnie Cates was on Scott's class this past Wednesday. And one of the things he mentioned was whenever you're a kid, you follow the, the characters you love. But then as you get older, you start looking at the front and certain pages where you're like, okay, who wrote this? Who drew this? Who did this? When I heard that Will Dennis was going to be doing the editing for all of Scott's Comicsology originals, like immediately that perked up because, like you said, if it was a Vertigo in the late 90s, early 2000s, his name was somewhere in those books. Yeah. You know, so so if you're going to be learning from, from anybody on the editing side, that's – yeah, that's that's definitely a solid a solid pick, obviously. Um, so what? Um, <clears throat> so when it came to to the writing aspect, then now you you said you were you said you were a film student that that kind of obviously comics being a very visual medium. I'm assuming that kind of carried over a little bit um, into the way that you frame certain scenes. Uh, Particularly, uh, like Scott's story of full script versus uh, versus Marvel style, you know, I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, the full script aspect really kind of comes in comes in handy there, being able to explain kind of what you know, what you want and everything on the page. Because that was that would I be correct in that? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely different strategies. I know that certain writers prefer one style over the other, and I think they both have their merits. Obviously, 
I come from a, a film background. I remember always writing stuff in Celtics or in, you know, final uh, draft about, you know, my little stories from my screenwriting classes and all that stuff. So, yeah, that definitely carried over. And uh, I know there are some comic writers that just straight up write it in film screenplay format. Brian Michael Bendis, that's basically mm-hmm. all he does in terms of scripting. He just does it in a film script format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had... <clears throat> One of the things when I when I first started writing and I've realized I wanted to start writing comics or working towards that, um, it's it's funny you mentioned Bendis because um, the director's cut of All Star Batman One by Scott, um, Justice League Twenty One, the first start of Trinity War by Jeff Johns, and then it was a graphic novel size book that had like seven or eight ultimate Spider-Man scripts by Bendis. Mm-hmm. And basically that's how I taught myself how to make a script format was just reading those be like, okay, that's where I put the action. That's where I put the dialogue. That's how kind of I describe certain things, um, which actually helped out quite a bit from a format perspective. You know, you can, obviously you can have, you know, you can have the, um, uh, the actual writing and the storyline itself and put it out on the paper. But if you want someone to actually draw and color and letter and do, and do everything else that's involved in making a comic, then you, you want to be able to, that, to make sure that it's clear that they can understand what, what at least you're trying to say. And then they can, of course, you know, take that and either do close to what you say or do something completely different and be like, you're an idiot. This needs to be something completely different. Um, you know, so, so yeah, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned them because that's, that's pretty, that's kind of how I got into the actual format aspect of it, at least. Um, so, working on the different comics, all the original books, um, <clears throat> I was, I was really intrigued when, when he had announced that he was going to be doing eight brand new books because I remember thinking, like, Okay, like he did Justice League, then he's doing death metal and everything, and I was like, "But th- this is about." But my only thought was, "This is Scott Snyder. Like, why is he only doing one book at a time? Like, there's got to <laughs> be other stuff going on." And then, like, so what is it? Like two months after Death Metal or something like that, he announces Noctera, and then right after that, he's like, "Comics Audio Originals, eight brand new books. They're all coming out." And I was just like, "This is insane!" But I can't wait. Um, were were you were I'm assuming you were already were you already familiar with Scott before you started working with him? Oh yeah, yeah. I I grew up reading his his Batman. That kind of dates me sure. in terms of being a youngster. I'm only 22, but I I oh, okay. grew up I grew up reading his uh, new 52 Batman, and now now I get to hear all the backstory about it, which is kind of wild. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, of course, of course. Um, one of the things that was interesting to me, of course, was how much he talked about how nervous he was while writing them because I'm like, you're writing court of owls. <laughs> like, how, like you can't fail. Like, this is going to be great. You know, that kind of thing. But, but it was, it was kind of fun to, it was kind of, it was endearing to hear that because then I was like, all right, I can do this too. I guess if even Scott Snyder was, had to stop for a second and be like, I don't know, man, this might not work. That kind of helped me as a writer. I was like, you know what, put it on the page, see what happens. You know? Um, but what was uh, I mean? Obviously, getting getting to work with him and everything was very interesting. When it came to 
when it came to like the different styles of the different books, of course, you're you're also seeing, you know, eight different artists working with him. Yeah. Um, and what was interesting to me was how different each book already feels from the first three. I haven't read the sampler yet, so I don't I don't have any of the previews yet for the for the next stuff just yet. But the first three have completely different feels, each one. Um, and if anyone listening has not checked this, check these things out, you've got to go to Comics Unlimited. Unlimited. It's like six ninety nine a month. Um, and trust me, there's so much stuff on there that is worth that is worth reading. Um, if you're a comic book fan like me and you're looking for back issues, you you can't go wrong. Like, yeah, there's there's some it's like Netflix. There's some stuff they don't have, but trust me, it's worth checking out just to see what is what is on there just for the monthly subscription. Yeah, like Forty thousand um, plus titles, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and and if nothing else, like I said, you get those originals. Um, we have demons, of course, with Capullo is that's one of those where you can you can definitely tell that they were that they were just like we're doing whatever the hell we want, you know, we're just we're just saying screw it, let's just put it on the page. Um, Night of the Ghoul was probably the one I was most excited for um, because I love Francesca Francavilla. Um, and I really love his just his art style. Um, He's the way so he good, does, man. dude. The way he does shadows. I, and I know that's such a weird comment, but if but once you start reading like or seeing his work, that's I hope someone hearing this understands. Like just the way he does shadows, really, really works really well. Um, that one, I, I, it was one of those things where it was like, okay, I know they're setting up for for something. Like it was still really good, of course, but I was like, okay. <clears throat> the lore of that one is only going to grow, and I know, and I'm really excited for that one. Clear, however, that was the one that just blew me away, dude. Like that was that one. I mean, Francis Manipul. I remember the first time I ever saw any any of his work was, um, of course, like you said, you and I kind of grew up. I think the same way with the DC uh, universe. New Fifty Two Flash was really yeah. the first time I saw anything from Manipul, and. Um, you know, just everything about that story, that storyline, um, and just the idea of, you know, you can start doing, you can start having like these little like mini panels inside of panels where things look different and everything. The the sequence where he's, for lack of a better term, basically high, and he's seen so many different veils. That was, that was when I was like, okay, this is something that no one has done before. And I cannot wait to see more. Um, Oh, he is swinging for the fences on this stuff, man. I've been seeing some of the art for the uh, second issue, which is uh, it's, it's getting, it's getting nuts, man. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. I I kind of, I kind of figured like I was that, that that's the interesting thing about those first three is they set up for so much. Like it's, you know, and, and of course it's, it's, it's funny now to, be in his class hearing about how he writes and then read his books because, because now it's like, you kind of see the behind the scenes, but at the same time, you're like, he still got me. Like I'm, I need the next one now. Like it's, it's one of those things. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but um, so talk to me a little bit about uh, the most important book in the world, which is such a grandiose title, but it's absolutely true. Um, for those of you who do not know what I'm referencing, um, it is from a charity organization called Rewriting Extinction. Am I correct in that, Tyler? Yes. yes. Um, basically, what they've been working on is they have over 300 different uh, contributors, different uh, content creators, 
comic book artists, comic book writers, random celebrities that I didn't even know would want to do something like this, but hey, it's awesome. Um, basically, what they're talking about is how to combat uh, climate change, how to focus on really just kind of helping the world, basically one problem at a time. Um, if you get a chance to check out um, Rewriting Extinction on Instagram, they have so many little kind of mini comics and different things to kind of show you kind of what they're about. Um, I will personally admit there were two or three comics that I had no idea what they were talking about until literally the very last point, um, such as a, forgive me, a bear bile um, issue. I had yeah. never heard of that, but that is horrific and I hate it and I want that to end. So now I want to buy the book to support them even more, <laughs> um, you know, and and stuff like that is not for the faint of heart. I won't I won't deny that, you know, so. You know, kind of going, kind of going, knowing that that some of the stuff gets pretty real, but the the content is very important. Um, and uh, Tyler actually was one of the writers on one of the stories. Uh, so Tyler, talk to us a little bit about that. And uh, I don't even know who was the artist you were working with. Forgive me, I'm not, I'm unaware. So I actually uh, contributed at least to five of the stories in this whole thing. Oh, okay. Excuse me. Okay, sorry. Yes. <clears throat> now you're good, man. They basically just threw me on whatever story they, they didn't have someone on. They said, hey, can you write? You've written before. Write a, write scripts for us. I, I've never wanted to take down a challenge. So I, yeah, sure, why not? I can I can write comic stories. I can do that. <laughs> and so I, I ended up working at least, uh, I think, uh, solo stories I wrote three of them and then like two of them i it was a co-writing uh story one of them actually ended up co-writing with uh, lucy lawless which was something Sweet. okay just yeah just hang zena writing comics <laughs> that was a very fun one because that is a story about uh lucy lawless uh making a, a biochar which is basically charcoal made of your own waste which is super fun to write about zena shitting okay. in, a, yeah. in a in a pot which is which really was something that I didn't think I'd be writing about in th that year, 2020, but I ended up having a lot of fun with that. And David Mack drew it, so let me tell you, just immaculate. <laughs> that, so, so, okay, so just one, just one more time, just for, for the people who know all those names, one more time. Lucy Lawless and you writing a story with David Mack on art all about turning your own waste into charcoal? Pretty much, yeah, you, you got it. That is one of the coolest things I've ever heard. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like I, like I was already excited for the book, and I was already gonna buy a copy. But you just you sold me on that. I'm hoping someone hearing this is like, I need that now. <laughs> as weird as that as that may sound, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> hey man, whatever, whatever you're into. <laughs> <laughs> So were were there any less um <laughs> any more normal stories you want me to talk any about anymore? Any more, any more conventional that? narratives, yeah. There's a there was a one story that I'm actually really proud of, uh called There's Blood on Your Hands, uh, which was about uh how jewelry that you buy in stores, a lot of those are basically just mined from uh from these terrains that just destroy those uh environments and really just dehome a lot of species. And uh that was a that was a very interesting one to write. I I kind of sort of took the premise inspired by the opening of Lord of War, if you've ever seen that one, the Nicolas yeah, Cage yeah. movie. That intro always stuck with me, the uh, the making of a bullet uh, from, you know, factory process to when it gets fired. So I kind of thought, what if we do the same thing? 
but in reverse essentially. So it shows it shows a, a a bracelet, like a gold bracelet, in a store that it shows the entire production process of that bracelet back to where it actually comes from, which is this uh, tropical terrain, which has unfortunately dehomed a lot of the uh, the uh, primate species there. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's it's it's interesting that I. 2020, of course, meant a lot of different things to a lot of different people. For me, it showed me a lot of the different things that are going on in the world, um, whether it's uh, politics, race relations, um, uh, gender identity and sexual orientation relations with LGBTQ plus. Um, and like you and like this entire thing is about is our effect on the world and climate change and de- uh deforesting different places and you know it's 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 one of those things that we we have to do we do have to do something and of course yeah it's i think i think it's one of those things where a lot of people <clears throat> when they think when they hear about big problems like that like huge like world changing problems they all they always think of the the idea of well this isn't going to matter but of course we all we've all heard the starfish uh, story where, but it matters to that one. You know, you throw the starfish back, and it matters to that one. You know, and that's kind of the thing with stuff like this. I the the first story I saw um, was by oh goodness, I can't think of I cannot think of the cartoonist, but it's the the No Meat Mondays story, um, <clears throat> where basically it just it just talks about how if you go plant based or you don't eat meat on a certain day. If everyone did that just one day a week, you know, how much it would affect the world and actually change it for the better. And that's <clears throat> I think that's one of those things that I know, obviously, that is a lifestyle change for a lot of people, myself included. I thoroughly love a good burger from time to time and a good steak, naturally. You know, who doesn't? Um, but we've been trying to do over the last couple, over the last year a lot more plant based stuff. Uh, my sister has been trying to kind of cook stuff like that primarily for our health to start out but then the more i started looking into it you know how much it is actually helping the world and that's such a cool thing um you know and we've kind of done kind of the opposite where we have like two cheat days where we actually eat whatever we want kind of thing you know but i i i like that story and i like that they're kind of taking that approach to it to where there are certain stories that just smack you in the face and are like look these terrible things are happening this needs to be fixed this needs to change here are ways you can do it that might not be as bad as you might think you know we can go a day without meat that kind of that that should be something that everyone can do fairly easily you know um but uh but yeah but uh forgive me i kind of got off on a tangent there Um, no you're good man i totally get it and i completely uh, agree with everything that you just said (laughs) Well, I, I appreciate that. It, it's one of those things where it's like I will I will let a lot of that just kind of stew and like I'll hear people talk and say some very ignorant things. And then I just kind of sit there, just, you know, twiddle my thumbs and just kind of bite my bite my tongue. And then when I actually get the chance to talk about it, that's where I'm just, it, it explodes. So, you know, I apologize, but I, I appreciate that you know where I'm coming from on that. Um, but I was curious. So, who was the artist on that one? The one that you were talking, the one that you were just talking about. That um, was uh, an artist named uh, Anike uh, Murrienum, who's an amazing okay. artist uh, who really just captured that story beautifully. She uh, 
she uh, 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 inked and she colored the whole thing. A lot of the artists on this did a lot of their own uh, art. Like, uh, we didn't have a lot of just solely pencilers. We had a lot of people that just did everything themselves, especially because it's sure. only a couple, you know, pages each. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of figured that's the way it would be with most of them. Um, a lot of, I know that the main reason that a lot of people kind of started moving away from that style and wanting to one person pencils, one person inks, one person colors is because if you're putting out so many books at one time. Yeah, it's you know, a time like, commitment. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like that's going to be, I mean, for a writer, it's like, I mean, we can get a script out occasionally, you oh, know, we can in a crank day those bad boys out. Yeah. If we want to, you know, it depends on what, how much work we're really putting into it. But, you know, for an artist, of course, you know, they, they toil and struggle for, for hours on end and they have, a page, you know, or something like that, you know, some, and of course, then I go to certain conventions and I see, you know, someone like Tim Seeley or Justin Stewart or anyone else, or uh, Matt Kent, just sitting down drawing like full illustrations while I'm still holding a conversation with them. And then I'm just like, I don't understand how you're doing that. Oh yeah. Um, like Jack Kirby used to put out multiple issues, full issues that he'd pencil every, every page. And that just astounds me. Yep. I, I, it, Kirby was on another level. Like I don't. That, that's just, that's in way just more ways level. than one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that. That's a thing. Like I don't. I don't know, man. Like that's their their comic artists will always have. I will always have a strong love for them, mainly because I cannot draw to save my life. Uh, I'm right there with you. I I can I, barely doodle. I struggle with that. Yeah. Like I can. I, uh, I I think I don't, I don't know if you follow Tom King on Twitter, but his, oh yes I do. His, his cover sketches have been some of my favorite things, and that makes me so happy because if someone handed me a, a cover and was like I like a blank cover and was like I need you to sketch uh, something on this, that's exactly how I would do it too. <laughs> Can I share a quick uh, Tom King story that I always love uh, telling? I was 100%. at New York Comic Con. New York Comic Con, maybe 2019, uh, he was there with uh, Doc Shaner and Mitch Garrett. They were promoting Strange <laughs> Adventures, I think. And I was in line, I think, to uh, get something signed by uh, Adam Kubert, I think, maybe. And it was a long, stretching line because, you know, it's a, it's a Kubert. You got you to gotta have a long yeah. line for those guys. But it was, it was right in front of Tom King and Doc Shaner's booths. And I remember I saw Tom King uh, standing in a... Doc Shaner's booth, I say to my friend, hey, that's not a, it's not Doc Shaner. And he says, uh, no, because I can actually draw. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Well played, Tom, well played. <laughs> Just, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, uh, so I, I am curious, um, after, after having five stories, apparently five stories, I thought it was just one. I, once again, I apologize. I'm uh, an you, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're good, man. That's great. After after having five stories, you know, done, are you are you going to pursue the kind of writing side of the career or editing or a little bit of both, do you think? Uh, both would be the dream. I always look at guys like uh, Len Wein and Claremont and uh, Pete Tomasi that were some able to do both extraordinarily, mm. and you, you didn't see any dip in terms of when they went from one job to the other. So that's, that's really a, a, that might be a dream for me. I know that right now I might have some more writing esque opportunities in the future. So I'll, I'll see where that takes me. I, I do love writing and I do love editing. So uh, yeah, let's, we're, let's see what happens. Yeah. That, that sounds awesome, man. Um, 
I, I, I asked this to Michael and Becky, so so I'm curious. I, I know, obviously, you know, creator-owned uh, productions are, are, are its own thing, but I'm curious, from, from a license standpoint, what what characters would you like to write personally? And and this is this is just assuming that like they're like first draft pick kind of thing. Like no one is on any of the books right now <laughs> because okay. my, every, every time, uh, yeah, because like, every time my brother or me or a friend of mine we would talk about this, my immediate thought process was like, well, I don't want to write that because I like 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 someone would be like, do you want to write Batman? Well, no, James Tinian's writing, and now Josh Williamson is writing Batman. I love both of those guys. I don't want to see them you know go away, but. In the assumption that everyone has finished their runs, you know. If I could fire that. one writer off of one character. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to frame the question that way, Matt, you go right ahead. We All can right, get I'll give you a, quickly. <laughs> I'll give you a DC pick and I'll give you a Marvel pick. Uh, Perfect. That sounds great. Okay, I'll go for more of the, uh, the obscure line for DC. My favorite DC story of all time, I think, is Starman by James Robinson. So okay, if I nice. could write if I could write a Jack Knight story, obviously with James's blessing, which will obviously happen very easily, he's he's totally oh, loose with that I, IP. But uh, <laughs> I would love to write a, a Starman story set in Opal City, go you know twenty years after the events of the the series, the eighty uh, issue series, which anyone can read now on DC Unlimited. Check it out, so good. Uh, I would love to write him and uh, and the Shade and all those guys. And then I guess sure. for Marvel, uh, I feel like I was one of those kids that really got into... Okay, I see where you're trying to lead me. I love Cap. <laughs> I do love Cap, and I love uh, Chris Cantwell's uh, stuff he's doing right now for the character. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, I think that Deadpool is a character that affected me a lot when I was growing up. I read sure. Joe Kelly's run. It must have been, you know, six, seven times, you know, just cover to cover, read his run again and again. I have all the collections here so mm. i have a sort of a permeation of a deadpool story in my mind that i'm trying to write out in the you know the the very vain assumption that i'll one day be able to do something with that character but see i'll go with uh starman and deadpool starman and deadpool so definitely solid choices definitely solid choices i uh you know it's it's interesting see deadpool i think would be a little daunting for me um, one, because even non-comic readers know who Deadpool is. Even non-comic yeah. readers pick up a Deadpool book kind of thing. Um, but also you've got to balance because Wade is such an interesting character and such a complex character that I think a lot of people who just know him, like just from the movies and that's no offense to Ryan Reynolds or anyone who worked on those films because they're, they're both great, you know, and everything, but Wade is such a complex character in balancing the fact that he is a very tormented soul who very clearly uses all the humor and the rockiness as like defense mechanisms kind of thing. Um, and being able to balance that while also still being funny <laughs> and actually being good at writing the humor, that's something that I think would kind of unnerve me a little bit um, as, as a writer. But Obviously, I would love to read the Tyler Tennis Deadpool story one day. <laughs> that is that is something that I would that I would love to see. I will write uh, it with you in mind. I, I, I appreciate that. I do. <laughs> um yeah, Starman Starman's kind of an interesting pick because I at least for me, 
I apologize. He is one that I've never actually read and I've heard so many good things. Um, of course that early, like that, like late eighties, early nineties, the, I think a lot of people called it the British invasion of comics with vertigo and everything, you know, Gaiman, Morrison, Robinson, and everyone else <clears throat> really kind of doing and trying to do like these kind of, it always seems like a buzzword to say that something's darker, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like it's, it is legitimately like a darker story that is there, at least Sandman and uh, Doom Patrol and everything. I'm I, once again, I'm not sure about Starman and Shade, um, but basically trying to do something that was different than the modern hero. Yeah. Um, it's a more mature with, with, take. I think it's something where they're taking a lot of these characters. A lot of them were uh, re revitalizations of these older characters, you know, Sandman and, uh, Doom Patrol and uh, all these guys, a lot of them were just uh, character. Animal Man is a great example, uh, a character yeah. that Grant Morrison loved when they were a kid. And they said, hey, let's take this character, uh, 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 Buddy Baker, and let's uh, do this totally gonzo story that gets all meta and, you know, really just redefines this medium. And it's a lot of stuff like that that, yeah, like you said, this British invasion really got a, a shot in the arm of uh, superhero comics. Mm-hmm. It's I'm I'm really glad that you mentioned that it was Animal Man because there was I was torn between Grant Morrison did the meta story and James Robinson Starman did the meta story and I could not remember which one was which <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm I'm glad you said that <laughs> um, because I re I remember I re I know of the story but I have I have, unfortunately have not read either of those that's something else that I need to do on once again Comicsology Unlimited <laughs> sooner or later. Great uh, plug, worked it in so yes, organically. I know. <laughs> we just we sprinkle them in where we can. You know what's crazy? I'm getting no money for that. I just love comics. <laughs> you mean this episode wasn't brought to you by the good people at Audible? It was. It was not brought to us by the good people at Audible. <laughs> oh goodness. Um. Oh man. Um. Let's see what else do I want to kind of bring up. Oh, okay. This is this was one that I was kind of intrigued by. All right. So, and this is one where, of course, you you might upset like eight people by doing this. But oh, great! Yes, hit me with it. <laughs> of the of the comicsology originals that Scott is coming out with. Um, and we can even oh, throw don't do this, man. We can even throw not there in there if you want to. So now, so now you can you accept you can upset uh, Tony if you want to too. Um, which is the one that you are most excited for, or which is the one that you that really resonates the most with you? Uh, okay, I'll I'll give this one a shout out. I'll give Canary a shout out right now, just because I was just talking to Scott about this. Uh, Dan Panosian does the art for this uh, western, this dark western story called Canary, and Dan Panosian's an artist that I feel is one of the most talented guys in this entire industry, but I feel like he's not talked about as much as some of his contemporaries are, which is a shame because he's so, so unbelievably talented. I, I can tell with every fiber of his being, he's putting all of his love and passion into this project. Uh, he's put some of the pages out on Instagram and Twitter, which you can check out. And it just you, it, you see in the comments all of his contemporaries and peers that are going like, oh my God, this is amazing. Can't wait to read this. And I can't wait for you guys to read it. Uh, Canary's going to come out at some point next year. The art is breathtaking. The story is really fun. And so, yeah, Canary is incredible. And I'll, I'll shout out that one. That, that That's the one you're picking. I got you. I like it. That's it's <clears throat> I'm glad you mentioned him um, particularly 
because I'm, I'm looking up everyone. Um, Dan Panosian, Tuolote, and I know I'm going to screw up this last name. Jamal, is it Eigel? Eigel, okay. Those were the three I did not know before uh, before Scott made the announcement. Uh, everyone else that was mentioned, you know, Francesco, Greg, Raphael, Jock, all, all of those I knew primarily because all of them, except for, uh, well, Manipul did a little bit on All-Star, but all those were people, I mean, I followed Scott, so obviously I followed those artists. You know, it's one of those things. Um, <clears throat> but those those three were three that I was very new to, but like you said, once I saw their style, I was very intrigued by really just kind of – I was really intrigued to see the stories that Scott was going to come up with for their artistic style. Because if I'm yeah. if I'm correct, you know, and from the way that he's talked about certain things with his stories, um, a lot of – no artist was picked because, well, I guess I'll take them. It seems like every single artist was – I have this story in mind and this person can make that happen. Um, and seeing Dan's art on Instagram, because, because like you, like you said, you know, follow them on Instagram and Twitter, um, seeing his art on, on Instagram, I was very, very impressed and very intrigued to see what, how that story was going to go. Um, same with the uh, two of Lotes. Cause, uh, he, um, He's doing the one where it's the it's the biplane, right? Yeah, Barnstormer is a, a ballad of love and murder. Oh, okay, yes, okay. One, all of that sounded great, but also it there was something about her art that made me think. Like it kind of reminded me of, uh, for those of you who don't know, Scott's first uh, book of short stories was called Voodoo Heart. Her art, I, and I know this sounds weird reminded me of those stories like in, in, in a certain way like particularly the the one with the um the um the the, the weather balloon or yeah, not the weather balloon, yeah hot air balloon like that kind of style like if they were ever going to adapt that into a graphic novel tula is the one i would i would say he needs to work on that that kind of thing um that's just i, I don't know there was I was just very intrigued to see to see them you know to see some of the newer artists um and that's one of the things that's really that's really just great about kind of moving away from the the big two. Uh, once again, for anyone listening who doesn't know what the big two are, that's Marvel and DC. So if really if it's a, if if they called it an independent, even Image and IDW and Dark Horse, the bigger companies, they're still considered technically independent uh, companies. But when you get into like the creator owned stuff, you really kind of get to see what these people can do with pretty much no restrictions. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, you know I mean? Sitting here in a Captain America shirt, um, you can't see, but currently surrounded by comics because the, the room I'm in is going to be my comic room uh, soon once I get time. Um, but, you know, obviously I love the big two and I love these classical characters, but there was something so interesting about seeing the different comicsologies originals and the different stories that have been coming out to really kind of see what all these different creators can really do. Um, Michael Conrad was a great example of that. And I, I, I have, I have to constantly correct myself. I'm not plugging this just because he was on the show. I genuinely love him as a writer. <laughs> um, 
He contributed a story to the uh, the anthology that uh, I'm working on, the most important comic book on uh, on Earth. Yes, he, uh, which is available on Amazon. <laughs> no, he, um, he, uh, it's him and Noah, isn't it? The uh, same I guys think, did double overdose. Or? I know that he wrote a story himself uh, with, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, uh, no, no, yeah. Okay, um, I was I, when I heard they were doing one. That was another thing that was like, okay, well, I mean, I've I've definitely got to get it now because I love them. Um, you know, it's reading Double Walker. Or Tremor Dose, either of those, which are also available on Comixology. Um, reading either of those and then reading Michael and Becky's run of Wonder Woman are two entirely – you you can really see the differences in style because they are yeah. two entirely different books. But, but, but both books – like to me, Diana's – I'm very picky about Diana because uh, my mother has passed and it was my her favorite character. So – Diana's almost a sacred character to me. So if so, you know, I, I will readily admit there have been certain writers who I will not mention here um, that they have screwed up certain aspects of her for me and other people can like I've, I have no issues if anyone likes stuff I don't like. I'm not that kind of person, I'm not that kind of comic fan. I, that's just not me, you know, but when it came to Michael and Becky, they managed such a a compassionate story with her. And that's really kind of the best aspect of Diana. Then you read double Walker <laughs> and Tyler. I don't, have you read, have you read both of those? Have you read double Walker as well? I have not read. I, I have not read his independent work. Unfortunately, I have read wonder woman though. And I completely agree with your statement there, but I definitely have some homework to do when it comes to his other work. It's, it, it's, it's worth it. Um, I, I tell, I tell a lot of people and my brother hated this because he, he likes to read the full pages turn off the show page on enter on your phone and just go panel by panel because you can tell tremor dose isn't the same, isn't the same because that was their first one double Walker. You can tell that him and Noah were both like, okay, we are doing this for comiXology. This is set up for this medium kind of thing. Obviously when the trade comes out, you know, I'm sure it'll still be great, but if you want like the general horror aspects, just let the panels kind of guide you kind of thing. Um, and that's for anyone listening at home as well. Um, you know, it's just they to to manage such a like I said, such a a loving and compassionate story with Diana, and then right after it, just go into this really horrific story. Um, you know, is it's such an interesting thing. Which once again, also Scott talked about because he talked about how like his Google search would be somewhere somewhere between you know. How long does it take for a body to dissolve and lie? And then also, when is my son's soccer game or whatever, you know? Um, and that's kind of the that's just such an interesting that's such an interesting thing to see from different from different writers um, and different just artists and creators in any in general. Um, of course, you working on Snow Angels? Um, I have not read it yet. It is saved on my phone. I I am looking forward to it because. The, you want to talk about two creators that pretty much every time they're together, something magical happens. Um, and that's not hyperbole. That is just like go all the way back to Green Arrow and the New 52. Uh, Jeff and is it Andrea? Is that how you say? Uh, yeah, Jeff and uh, Andrea Sorrentino did a Gideon Falls together. Yeah. Oh, I'm, who's on Snow Angels? I'm sorry. Jock. Excuse me. Jock. Okay. Well, <laughs> same answer. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, excuse me. Um, but I mean, 
either way, you know, I, I was I'm excited to read both of those because that one is not saved on my phone. However, that's going to be saved on my phone right after this. They're um, both so Jeff. Jeff does not miss, and I, I've worked on a couple things with Jeff, and even in the short time that I got to spend on those, that guy just pumps out a. Ama- he sent it one time. He sent out maybe six different uh, pitches for different series, and I think uh, one of them might have just gotten announced. Uh, so seeing all this stuff, he plays the long game, and every single time he delivers something, it's it is quality. Mm-hmm. I've heard he tries to write out like a year and a half in advance or something to that. To that something like that, aspect. yeah, yeah. I which that's another thing I'm always terrified of uh, if I ever get to those highs of, you know, being able to write for DC or Marvel is hitting those deadlines, um, in time that that's something that I would be kind of terrified of as a writer. I know that I know that that writer's block does hit you, you know, like that, that, that does happen. You have to, you have to fight it. You have to challenge it. You know, like every writer I've ever respected has said, but obviously it still does hit you, you know? Um, but that's that's why that's one of those things where it's like yeah I'd, I'd probably try to write a year in advance and as or a year and a half in advance as well. Um, since so Gideon Falls I actually heard about I know very little about it though. Go pitch a little bit of that if you don't mind because you, you were also you were an associate editor on that one too correct? Or, yeah, I don't know yeah. why they did this, but I know that I'm credited as an editor editor on the last issue uh, along with oh, Will, sweet. <laughs> which okay, was a that. shock to me. You got a promotion. <laughs> sure, I'll take it. Yeah, Gideon Falls. Uh, Gideon Falls is about a uh, a guy that was wearing a, an N95 mask uh, and was uh, afraid of uh, interacting with people. Kind of a kind of a, a prescient story if you think I about it. I was about to say. <laughs> but it's about a a guy who thinks that there's, big, there's this big conspiracy. He keeps on trying to look through trash for this these remnants of this this black barn. There's a there's killings happening. There's a a fallen preacher. It, there's a lot of stuff going on in Gideon Falls, and a lot of horrific horrific shit that happens throughout the course of the series. But it's it's an amazingly written story. The characters are all so deeply well written, and the horror is just. I mean, Andrea Sorrentino, the stuff that he's able to draw is just stomach churning. Yeah, I've. I, I could see that. I, I I really could because I remember Green Arrow. Green Arrow was the, probably the first time I'd ever read anything involving him uh, as, as an artist. Oh, um, same here. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, like like you said, you you said you're 22. I'm 27. You know, so like we're close to the same age. But I was getting yeah. into I was getting into DC. That was the time that I was getting into DC. Was like right before. Um, I think War of the Green Lanterns was happening because Jeff Johns was the first thing, the person that really got me into DC. Like I, I'd heard so many different great things, and I was like, okay, I've got to check some of this stuff out. Um, beyond just the movies, of course, obviously Bruce Tim, Paul Dini shows, you no know, growing up and everything, you know. But comics wise, you know, uh, like right before the New Fifty Two happens, when I started getting into it. So when all of a sudden this. These new guys on the scene, Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino, you know, it's weird to think of now. Um, they were doing Green Arrow, and of course, this is right, like, this is maybe season two of Arrow, so this is when, like, they're... Back when it was a great show and not a show that went through so many ups and downs, it was like a roller coaster of a TV show. See, this is see, this is why I was glad to talk to you, because you're someone that's right there, 
but you know you won't get in trouble for saying stuff that I agree with. <laughs> um, to be fair, yes, no, I- Arrow ended amazingly. I think that the last season of Arrow is awesome. There are certain seasons I have less love for, but that's just I- me. I dropped out in season four. Um, Ooh, that's a great place to drop out. <laughs> <laughs> um, my Al, one of the other fan correspondents, my best, fr- one of my best friends of the whole wide world, one year got that for me on Blu-ray as, as a gag gift because he knew that. Yeah. Anyways, um, but love it or hate it or have any certain feelings towards it which once again if this ever gets back to steven amell i love you you're a great person and love you steven you, you, you deserved better watch heels um, on stars yes yeah there you go yeah another plug neither of us are getting paid for <laughs> <laughs> um, but when when jeff and andrea took over that storyline was like right at the height of the power of that show. So you knew that like whoever was, I don't even know who was editing at the time at DC or who was really in charge of getting them on that book, but they had to see something different. They had to see something that was worth like, we are about to put what is currently the biggest show on CW, the comic that that, that, that show is based on in these guys' hands. And if you, if anyone has not read that run, it does not disappoint. Um, it touches back on Longbow Hunters by Mike Grell. It um, adds elements from the show into the comics for the first time. I think I still have the first appearance of Diggle somewhere in this monstrosity. Um, you know, it's it's a genuinely fantastic run. But you mentioned Andre's ability to draw things that were horrific or really it just unsettling is really a better term because I will never the first time. I thought Count Vertigo was a threat, like a genuine threat. Oh, my God. Because, like, because, well, I mean, like, in Justice, in the Justice League cartoons, I, I think there's one episode where he shows up and he's in, like, the, he's in, like, the 1960s, like, the old, like, he's got, like, the, like, the, like the, the hat on and everything. It, it, it's like, this guy's a joke, you know? But then you completely throw that out the window for, like, the count of oh god, what country is it? I'm not realzia. Yeah. What'd you say? Not realzia. I don't know. Let's not realzia. Yes, yes. Yeah. Count count of not realzia because I'm, because if you're like me, both of us read this what six years ago or something like it's that. Been a, it's been a while. It has been a while, but he is a genuine threat in that in that story. And, and the in visuals my alone, oh my god. Exactly. That, that, that's the thing is like as good as Jeff writes, if it was not for Andrea's art, that would not have had as much of an effect. Um, even into <clears throat> even going into like Old Man Logan and Wolverine and everything with with those storylines. Um, as much as I love the original, it's all when Andrea started drawing that world, it was almost like it was designed by him or like it was, it was made for him. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, no, that's, 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 that's one I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to look into now. So, so, so Gideon Falls by Jeff Lemire and Andreas yeah. Martino. You can actually yeah. pick up the uh, hardcover uh, volume one of Gideon Falls, which collects the first, uh, however many issues of the run. And also has a bunch of awesome behind the scenes stuff, including Jeff's original pitch for the story, which he wrote back when he was in film school. 
<laughs> because of course he did. <laughs> of course he was. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but it's interesting you it. mentioned uh, him and Andrea because, uh, yeah, I remember reading those scripts for Gideon Falls when he was writing those. And there are certain points where he would just write, you know, I'm leaving this up to you, Andrea. You're you're the guy here. Here's the very bare bones structure of what's happening in the scene. Mm-hmm. Go wild. And usually it works out because him plus Dave Stewart equals incredible breathtaking storytelling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's one of the, you know, it's, I've, I'm working on my, I've, I've got a short story uh, that I'm trying to kind of finish. I, I've, I've had this fantasy series idea since I was 16 and heard how Tolkien did it. And then I was like, I can do that. And Lord knows it has changed a lot in the last 11 years, but I've finally got like a, this is the story I want to tell, you know, with this world, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm working on that right now, but I, since I started, you know, taking Scott's class, I was like, okay, comic books, what do I, what story do I want to tell of getting, of doing like a small, like graphic novel kind of, kind of story. And I had this idea for one and I was and I I wrote it both I've written it both ways I haven't I haven't sent it to him yet because I told him I was like this is gonna be a 2022 thing man you know don't worry about it um, but I had an artist friend of mine um, he actually designed a logo for Phantom Correspondent so a plug to at Johnny Marvel draw stuff if you guys are on Instagram um, and he is paying us to plug him by the way he is yes you know no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, but now we, me and him were kind of talking about just kind of design aspects and things like that. And one of the things you mentioned was, you know, the different styles of scripting. He's one of those that like, I, there's a couple of scenes where I, I fully intend to just be like, all right, Johnny, this is happening in this scene, you know, go like, get like you panel structures, all you, you tell me what, what I need to, if I need to write certain like scripting things in certain spots I'll make it happen. I'm going to look up how to become a letterer because, sure, why not? I'm going to figure that out. So that's yeah, it's what uh, it's what Kirkman did when he was starting out, right? He would letter his own uh, his own shit. Oh, I actually did not know that, but okay. Well, if Robert Kirkman could do it, so can I. <laughs> <laughs> that's the attitude. That's the attitude to take in that. Um. <laughs> oh goodness. Um. But yeah, no, that's just he's. I'm I'm very excited for that one because I, I, it's a story that I've wanted to tell for a while. I thought it was going to be a like a novel or something, and then there was one day I was just, just I was scrolling through his his page on Instagram, and he drew this character that he didn't have any kind of backstory for or anything. And it was funny when I messaged him, I was like, um, "Is it you know I want to use this character?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, no, you can write whatever you want to with her." And I was like, "No, no, no." You're misunderstanding me. I want you to be the artist. I want to write the story, and then we go from there. And then he's like, "Oh, oh shit." <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So I, I'm gonna start working on that more so next year. But you mentioned the different styles, you know, just the different styles of formatting and everything. Um, but, uh, but yeah. But um, Tyler, I kind of got to get going here in just a little bit. But dude, it was so good talking with you. Oh, it was um, a pleasure, I feel like- man. Way too much, and I apologize about that. Just talking about the the stuff that we love. Um, oh, I'll be back really, next week. Don't worry, we got time. Yes, yes, no, yes, absolutely, dude. I would love that actually. Um, but uh, but real quick before we go, 
I kind of was giving you a little backstory on Phantom Correspondence before we kind of started recording and everything. Um, because, and for anyone who this is your first episode, our motto is Phantom is for everyone. It uh, doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter what race you are, gender identity, sexual orientation, where you come from. There is a fandom out there for you, whether it's video games, movies, whatever. We always try to cultivate a kind of a lifestyle and a culture of the acceptance and, you know, representation mattering and everything. So, Tyler, I'm kind of curious. Uh, stuff that you're reading right now, um, try to do stuff that you're not working on yourself, if you don't mind. Um, what what are some comics you would suggest for people to check out, shows you would suggest for people to check out, um, video games, anything that, in your opinion, is either representing kind of either positivity just in general or has really good representation uh, right now? Anything coming to mind off the top of your head? Ooh, good representation. Uh, hmm. I, I know. I know. Obviously, that's that's a big one. You know, like like just to just to drop on you, just like what's good right now. <laughs> All right. Well, positivity. The the two TV shows that come to mind, and they're you know kind of cliches right now. But Shit's Creek and Ted Lasso are sh- are you know shows that I've watched recently that are some of the more positive and more wholesome, accepting, welcoming shows that I've seen in media right now. Mm-hmm. Comic wise. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just gonna say I've, I've, Hits Creek. I need to watch because it's on Netflix and I have Netflix. I do not have. Is it Apple TV or Apple, Apple TV or Plus? I have okay. a PS Five, so I was able to get the first five months. They have a, this deal with Apple TV that they're able to give five months free to all PS Five users. So really, just get a PS Five, which is much easier than getting Apple TV Plus. <laughs> well, I currently have a PS5 as well. I'm gonna see if I can get that on. And Go for it, man. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> Gideon Falls on phone, Ted Lasso on PS5. That's happening. Oh, as I'm soon just as handing out here. recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, co- comics, you know what were you what were you about to say? I'm sorry. Excuse me. Ooh, comics. Uh, wholesome comics that I can think of. Uh, you know what? I'll I'll give a shout out to Sex Criminals by uh, uh, Chip Zdarsky, Matt Fraction. Uh, with a graphic design by Erica Schnatz, a uh, great uh, designer at Image. But uh, Sex Criminals is, I mean, you know, a lot of people here know about Sex Criminals. It was, you know, one of the bigger comedy comics to happen in the last decade. Mm-hmm. Put Ship Zdarsky on the map. It's about uh, uh, two yep. bank robbers that can freeze time by uh, when they, when they, you know, when they, when they nut. And uh, it's a, it's a great, great story. Uh, amazing funny art with the, just the tiniest little background gags you'll find in the background, like some tiny little joke on like a TV that Chip, you know, just kind of thought of on the spot and wrote that in. Uh, so just an amazing series that ended recently. Uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, yeah, it's pretty. That's pretty wholesome. Okay. Okay. Anything all ages? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I gotta be honest, I like, dude, like, I'm with you, but I don't <laughs> like, No, I get uh, it, man, like I get it. 11 or 12-year-old, you know, or anything like that, you know. Okay, here, I'll I'll give a shout-out to Runaways, and that's, like, specifically the Brian K. Vaughn run and the Rainbow Roll one that just came out. Those are two amazing series that are very, very uh, accepting in terms of different uh, uh, backgrounds at all. You know, it's like a ragtag, motley crew of kids of sure. supervillains that try to make a make a change for the world for the better and uh yeah it's an amazing series the tv show uh was on that i actually really thought was just underrated as hell uh yeah i fully agree 
Yeah, check out uh, check out the collections that Brian K. Vaughn did and that Rainbow Roll did. I, I'm so excited for what Rainbow Roll does next. I think she's doing a She-Hulk, which I, I got to check out because I also love me some She-Hulk. Okay, see, I didn't know. So I knew Jen Bartell was doing the covers. I had no idea who was writing. I was just, it was one of those things where it was like, like if, if Alex Ross or Jim Bartell or there, there's a couple other artists, but if they're doing the covers, it's one of those things where it's like, I've got to have them in the collection just to have like at that point, they're more like art pieces, even if the story's not good, you know, but now knowing who's going to be writing She-Hulk now, I'm more excited. Okay. I had no idea who was writing it. So, so yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be a good one. I'm, I'm looking forward to that now too. So, and that's, that in it, that in itself is kind of the fun of this is that we're we're just fans, you know. Like, I just I just talked to you for an hour about this random shit that we loved, you know. And that's that's the best conversation. That's that's the best kind of conversation, exactly. And that's and that's that's fan and correspondence. And also, dude, that that that's just comics, you know. Like, I I genuinely I have really loved over the last couple of years as the films have gotten bigger, you know, and everything, and everyone's kind of getting more involved, you know, even people that you don't think are going to know who Aquaman is or something like that. They know exactly who Aquaman is. They might not know the green pants, orange shirt Aquaman, but at the very least you could be like, Hey, so is great. You know, um, you know, and that's, I, I genuinely love that aspect of it. You know, yes, you still have your your bad apples on the internet, you know, and all the gatekeepers and other various people that are just bad. But the the attempt to actually, you know, try to open that for everyone and really just discuss the stuff that we love, that's everything that we're here about, you know. And, and I know that's what you and Scott and Will and Jeff and everyone else that you've worked with because – you are one of the more interesting people I think I've ever seen on Instagram and Twitter because it's, I was telling that to my brother. I was like, he doesn't have that many followers, but man, the quality of the followers he has, like I was, cause I was like, I started looking at it cause I, I was like, surely he has more. And then I was like, well, I mean, Rick Remender, Jeff Lemire, Scott Snyder. I was like, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, that's, that's really all you need. You know, it's, it's about who, you know, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, um, well, Tyler, any, anything else you want to say? Anything else you want to plug, man? Uh, f- uh, support comic shops, uh, totally. be, be good especially, to each other. What, what'd you say? <laughs> be good to each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially after this, like we, I know we talked about comicsology originals and everything like that and don't get me wrong. They're great. But if you have the chance and you have the opportunity Please try to try to go to find a local comic book store. Even if you go in and you buy a dollar comic, just something. You know, get get some foot traffic in there for them. Um, there's a lot of really good retailers out there. And look, man, if you if you don't know where to where to get where to go, DM me on Instagram, Twitter. I will personally Google and hunt down the very best places for you and do the best that I can. And if you're in the Western Kentucky area, boy, do I have some recommendations for you. But that's the uh, <laughs> that's about as far as my reach goes right now, <laughs> uh, directly, anyways. Um, oh, uh, shout out to my uh, my local comic shop in North Haven, uh, DJ's Cards and Comics. Great place, great people. Sweet, absolutely. So, okay, so you said D- what is it one more time? DJ's Cards and Comics. DJ's Cards and Comics. Okay, they have an Instagram as well. 
And Twitter uh, even? They're probably out there somewhere. Just look them up. Probably out there somewhere. Okay. I'll, I'll, I will I will try to look them up. I know I know I followed Fourth World, but I know they've gotten they've gotten quite a bit bigger uh, because of course you know it's Scott's home store, you know everything. So everyone with, with friends like those. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, but uh, but yes, DJ's cards and comics. I'll definitely be checking that out. But Tyler, once again, thank you so very very much for sitting down with me. Um, you have so many books that are worth checking out. You know, um, Noctera. We, good lord, we went an hour without talking about Noctera, and that's one of the like the best books of the year. But anyways, everyone, go read Noctera. Go read all the stuff that Tyler's working on. Uh, follow him on Instagram and Twitter. He's great. And uh, yeah, uh, as always, we want to end with Phantom is for everyone. Thank you guys so much. Y'all have a good night.